0: Casey's traveling this week. She'll be back with us next week. Um, she's traveling with her parents and her sister. Um, they're down in Florida, but they'll be back. She'll be back next, actually, towards the end of the week this week. So we'll see her next week. Uh, Derek, we don't have the formal doctor's report, but he did get into the MyChart and got to see the report for his uh, scan, and it was a good report, also. Uh, so we thank God for that. And then. Um, other than that, we're just trucking along, doing good, keeping life going. And I said Sunday, Mari's dad had that good report. We're still rejoicing over that. And uh, so we're excited on those things. And then, um, but, I would, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because I want to get right into Revelation. Right into Revelation. We're going to start moving kind of fast. So let's do our confession. Let's pray and let's get, let's just dive right in.
1: Yes. Sure.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. they back in the Oh gosh. Right. Wow. wow, this is an intense surgery. Probably at Duke University. Is it at Duke? Brenner's Children, Duke. Yeah, that that's all part of the Duke Hospital System. Yes, I can imagine. So we need him to not lose his motor skills and his social skills because of anxiety and surgery. So yes, by all means, let's lift a little Connor up and believe for um, the doctors to have the wisdom and the knowledge to to perform the surgery um, effective quickly, but we want it to be effective and without flaw or incident because... And the reason I say quickly is because the longer they're under – the longer anybody's under anesthesia, the harder it is on the body. So and for
1: a quick recovery.
0: Right. Because and, and, you know, the, the quicker he gets up hard. and
1: starts moving, the less he's going right. to have quicker, to relearn. Yeah,
0: the quicker he can get out from underneath the anesthesia, the better. Um, so that's why I say quick. Um, you know, And, you know, quick if it <laughs> – if a, if a seven hour eight hour all- day surgery is done in you know 45 minutes or an hour less than what's expected that's quick that's still quick uh, so we just want to pray for that and of course um, comfort for uh, Amy and the siblings and um, Justin and I had to get the right name had to go through the list uh, through for Amy and Justin that they'd have the peace of mind and of course that they'd also have all of the uh, financial and Whatever supplies and stuff that they need supplied to them, taken care of as well. So let's lift up. Let's lift that up in prayer. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we lift up a little Connor to you, Father God. Father, we know that there's a lot of things going on in his body that is not part of your plan, not part of your design. And so, Father, we speak to his body. We speak to this, um, these issues with his joints and with his feet and with all the different health issues that he has, and we just command his body to come back into line with your original design for all the muscles, the bones, the ligaments, all the connective tissue to come into line and to operate and to function as you have created it to function. And, Father, as he goes into for pre-op and for surgery this week, Father, we just ask that you have your hand upon the no, the doctors, the nurses, the Anesthesiologists the, the support staff the orderlies every person involved finance everything Father we charge the angels to go out before Justin and Amy and to make the way the pathway clear for Connor give the doctors supernatural wisdom revelation and knowledge give him the ability and the steady hands to perform this surgery without um, without any issues, without any problems, strengthen Connor's body, make his body strong and able to withstand uh, such an intense surgery. And, Father, we ask that this surgery be quick and effective and complete with no problems, that the healing process go quicker than anybody could expect, so much so that the doctors stand back and say it could only be by God's hand. And, Father, we ask that you have your hand upon uh, Justin and Amy and all of the family, Father God, that they would have peace and comfort through uh, the surgery and through the recovery period and Father, we just thank you that your hand is upon this family in Jesus mighty name, Father, as we approach your word tonight, Father, we ask that you ha- that you give unto us supernatural wisdom, revelation, and knowledge um, and that you uh, reveal unto us your word uh the way that we need to see it and perceive it and father we thank you for it in jesus mighty name and all of god's people said amen amen uh we are going to look at the book of revelation oh let's do our confession i'm mm-hmm. sorry i was jumping the gun
1: nope you're fine So
0: sorry all right let's do our confession you ready yes wait on you
1: okay <laughs> this is my bible all
0: right this is my bible
1: all right, right want to try that peak. one more you time you want to try it again okay This This is is my Bible. Bible. It is is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read read this word daily. I meditate on this word word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word.
0: Glory to God. Well, we goofed it up in the beginning, but we made it all the way through without messing either one of us up. That was
1: pretty good.
0: <laughs> Glory to God. We are going to go to Revelation, but before we do, I want to take us to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Alrighty. <clears throat> because this is going to help us a little bit uh, as we go through Revelation. Uh, the Word of God should always, should always be weighed and measured with the other scriptures. So many people weigh a scripture based on only what it says in that particular area, or they pull it apart and make it separate from itself. Uh, so here, um, Jesus is, or here, the Holy Ghost, through um, the Apostle Paul, is talking about uh, spiritual lives and natural bodies and things like that. Um, and he's talking about uh, here on the earth versus heaven and different things like that. So he's talking about a couple of different things, um, or he's talking about uh, the difference between our natural body and our spiritual body. But then he gets down to verse 51. So, 1 Corinthians Corinthians 15, verse 51. So, here he's talking about, um, why don't you look at verse 45 real quick, and it says, And so it was written that the first Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, we know that that word quicken means to be brought back to life. Or a, living, or a living spirit. Okay? So we understand that. Uh, look at verse... Um, well, let's read verse 46 and 47.
1: Howbeit that was not first which was spiritual, but that which was natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is, of, is the Lord from heaven.
0: So we know this, and the Bible tells us this. Look at this little secret right here. It says, "How be it not that the first was spiritual, but the first was natural?" We know that a lot of times, in order to get things by faith, you have to do something in the natural before you obtain it, um, before it comes to pass out of the natural. Like if you're believing, if you're believing, for example, for a new car. Okay. Yes, you have to do you have to do things in the natural like Derek had to get in faith in the natural and then the spirit produced it for him in the natural. So there's a there's a definite connection between the physical, the natural world and the supernatural world, okay? So Paul was kind of addressing this when it comes to the physical body. But then let's get down to verse 51, and I'm only jumping because of time. And he said and here the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul says
1: Behold I show you a mystery.
0: So the Holy Ghost wants us to know this mystery. If the Holy Ghost wants us to know this mystery, then Jesus wants us to know this mystery. Because that's who that's and who God. told Jesus or who told the Holy Ghost to tell us. And if the, if if Jesus wants us to know the mystery, then the Father God wants us to know it. Okay? All right. So here and we understand that a mystery is a spiritual secret that can be revealed. Now, before we read on any more, you have to understand that we as humans, we have a lot of our own ideas, and we have a lot of our own thinking, and we try very hard to take a spiritual God and put him in a natural box and natural thinking. And the whole time, God, who is spiritual, is trying to get us out of our natural thinking and start and, so, and get us over into thinking of things from the spirit. So when he reveals a mystery, he's telling you what's, what's happening and what's going to happen from a spiritual standpoint, from his standpoint, from his point of view.
1: And he's not expecting us to understand how it's going to happen, right. just that it is going to happen. That
0: it is going to happen.
1: All right. So, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In this case, sleep means we, we, death.
0: Physical death.
1: Physical death.
0: He said, now, I want you to understand, in Corinthians, he is, by all means, he's talking to uh, Christians or followers, disciples. He's also talking to Jews. Um, and some Jews believed in the resurrection and some Jews did not believe in the resurrection. That's the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so he's talking to Jewish orders, Paul is, but he's also talking to new believers, okay? Um, and he's writing in this letter to all of humanity. I mean, it's for believers, but he's writing to all. So he says here, so this is, essentially the Holy Spirit is talking, or talking through Paul. He's not speaking, but he's showing us this mystery through Paul. And he said, we shall not all sleep. Let me ask you a question. Is it only Christians that physically die? No. 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 How much do you know? The unsaved physically die just like the saved Christian. So could he possibly be told when he says we shall not all die, uh, could he possibly only be talking to the Christians? No. No, because they're not the only ones that suffer from the ailment of death. Okay? So he said we shall not all die, essentially in our vernacular.
1: But we shall all be changed.
0: Now, Now, as Christians, we all talk about the glorious moment that Jesus calls away the church and we receive our glorified bodies. But you don't find that specifically in the scriptures anywhere. That's religious teaching. I'm kicking some cows, but just stay with me. Okay? Because how much you know right now the Holy Ghost is kicking some cows? Okay? He said that we're all going to be changed. What's the subject manner? Death. Death. He's talking the subject manner is death. He said, I'm going to show you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep. Is everybody on the planet subject to to sleep or death? Absolutely. So if everybody's subject to death, then when he says all are going to be changed, do you think God's only going to change those that have received him? No. Now we also know this from the scriptures. We know that if you deny Christ and and you leave your physical body, do you stop to exist? No. No,
1: because we're all <laughs> eternal beings.
0: All, you, all, you all live for eternity. We know that in hell there's gnashing of teeth. So in order for you to gnash your teeth in hell, don't you have to have physical teeth?
1: And, and, and it's supposed to be for all eternity. So it doesn't end.
0: Right. We know, Just like
1: heaven doesn't end.
0: We know, in, we know from the scriptures that in hell there's burning flesh. For all of eternity. For you to experience burning flesh, don't you have to have
1: flesh? Yes.
0: Yes. We know, according to the scriptures, that there's great physical torment in hell. In order to be physically tormented, do you not also have to have a physical body? Yes. So, let's keep reading.
1: All right, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed.
0: Now, notice he said, and the dead, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Is Jesus only going to raise the spiritually dead? No.
1: You mean the physically dead?
0: No, well... Let's look at it. Let's look at what he said. He said, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Right. So is this, which dead are we talking here? Is this spiritual dead? Is this physical dead? We don't know. How about, how about, how about we just take God at his word, the dead? The dead. How much do you know? <laughs> how much do you know? Once you fully develop into life, you start decaying into death. So it says, he says there's going to be, in the, he says in a moment, just, just like that, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen just like that. There's going to be a trump, it's going to happen just like that. Colin, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. If this is talking only spiritual, now... now if well, we
1: already have... We're already eternal beings spiritually.
0: Now, wait a so, minute.
1: So, we're already eternal beings. Whether We've, we've got a destination, but whatever that is, but, but, to, be ter- to be determined. But, but we are eternal either way. So, they can't be talking about spiritually. That's true. But, but
0: well, they're eternal. But you can be eternally dead. Hold on, Pastor. Because eternally dead, you're, you're going too far. Eternally dead, spiritually, is separated from God. Right. But I'm trying to make a case here. Because so many people say only those believers that go to heaven get changed. But that's not what this says. If this was referring to only the believers being changed, then why are the dead being raised incorruptible? Can't be. So the dead that he's talking about are those that are subject to physical death.
1: Or have already died.
0: Those that he's talking about are those that are subject to physical death. Rather, they've already experienced it or rather they're going to experience it The ones that are subject to physical death are the ones that are going to be raised. Incorruptible. And then what does it say?
1: And it says, we will be changed.
0: We We shall. We being the
1: ones still alive, I would think.
0: Oh. (laughs) Pastor Mike, work with me. No, but. Pastor Mike, work with me. It's
1: the same thing.
0: You sound contrary.
1: I don't mean to be contrary. Okay. I'm just saying that the dead are going to come back and be given Glorified bodies, and then we will be changed to be given glorified bodies.
0: Okay. Isn't it amazing how different people see things, different, say things differently, but they all mean the same thing? Yes. Isn't that amazing to us? <laughs> so what he's saying is he's saying at the trump every single person that is subject to death, whether they have already died or they're going to die, will be changed
1: right so there will be some that will be alive so yes. now
0: let's keep now let's keep reading
1: all right for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory o death Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: So, here's what we do know. We do know that when God created in Adam and Eve, not a single person, not Adam and Eve, nor any of their offspring were ever created to die. We know that the curse entered the earth When they sinned, we know that Jesus came to overthrow the curse. We know that we have authority over Satan, devils and demons through the name of Jesus. We know that we have authority over sickness in the name of Jesus. The one thing that has not been the only thing left that has not been put to final close to get us back to the original form is physical death. Yes. Every single person will be returned back to God's original state in mortality, eternal life, if you choose God, or eternal death, if you choose to reject God. The question it's is... It's still
1: eternal either way.
0: Right. The question is, is when does this happen? They didn't tell us when. This scripture didn't tell us when it was going to happen. Just said that it would. The church teaching in general has been, when you hear the trump, the saints will get their glorified bodies and we all go out of here. That's what the church teaching has been. But we just saw that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, in the twinkling of an eye, in the in, the flat, in, in just, a, in just a twinkling just in a moment, The twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trump, all of the world, humanity, will go from having to physically die to having immortality or having immortality, having eternal life in their physical flesh, in their physical body. Okay? This is important as we go through the book of Revelation. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy.
1: Now, it's pretty clear.
0: This is important that you know this and you understand this as we go through the book of Revelation.
1: One, one point of clarification, though, not, no, you're not, good. not taking away from anything that she said. But, uh, young ones, I know Hollywood likes to point out that, that the eternal dead are really cool. Let me tell you, that is not going to be cool. That is Very going to confident. be eternal torment, eternal burning, eternal torture. It's not something you want to go through. If you've ever had any injury that was excruciating, it's going to be like that all the time and magnified.
0: Yes. Now, I want you to read just the verse 1 of chapter 16.
1: And you won't be able to die. Yep. You'll want to, but you won't be able to.
0: So let's read, let's just read verse 57, 58, and verse 1. Because I want you to see this.
1: 57 and, what was that?
0: Let's read verse 57, 58,
1: the last two verses again, and verse 1 of
0: chapter 16, because the letter's not broken up.
1: Gotcha. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now concerning the collection of for or the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Is that what? you...
0: Yeah. So he immediately says, "This is what you need to know," and then he says, "I thought he went somewhere else," but then he talks about tithes and offerings.
1: Oh, gotcha.
0: But tithes and offerings play a part in your eternal in your eternal reward, your eternal reward. But I want you to notice. He tells us, he tells us because of the truth that at the twinkling of an eye in the moment of time, every person is going to move from death, from, from, from the, the, from the uh, curse of death to the blessing of life. And he said, because of this mystery, because of this truth, now he's talking, he was referring back to the Christians, he said, because of this, be steadfast, be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's He's telling us, listen, what we the labor that we're doing, getting people to come into Christ, doing the work of the church, staying on top of the saints. Listen, young people, you ask me time and time again, why do you not just when I'm just when I'm just losing it? Why do you not quit on me? Because my labor's not in vain. Because I've got to make sure you in the spirit. amen. I got to make sure that you get that you get eternal life and that you don't choose eternal death because my work matters. you matter. So we need to keep this in mind as once you get this revelation, it completely changes your view of revelation. the book of Revelation completely alters your view. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter
1: 4. All right.
0: And we're going to keep this in mind as we go through this whole book. Now, I want you to remember I've said from the beginning that when you read the book of Revelation that this is a spiritual prophecy and you have to look at it from a spiritual standpoint because what, God, what Jesus is showing to John is things in the Spirit from the point of view of the Spirit. And John is trying to explain what he sees in the Spirit to us in natural terms that we can understand. Does that make sense?
1: And considering that he had a totally different viewpoint of the world than we do today.
0: Correct. That's the other thing that we have to take in consideration. Is this, uh, John is giving us this, uh, revelation from the viewpoint of 1st uh, century or 2nd century uh, Romans and Greeks and, Christians and Jews so we have to look at the culture as well now in some of these things in chapter 4 I don't know if Brianna will be able to confirm it for us or not because I don't know how much the Lord allowed her to see we'll see I'm not putting you on the spot I'm just curious <laughs> how much of the by no means Brianna, however
1: that does mean you might ought to pay attention
0: Brianna I'm not putting Brianna, I'm not putting you on the spot any way, shape, or form. But when I read chapter four I think, Wow, I wonder if she saw that.
1: Right. Anyways. Yes. Let's read. It'd be cool if you did see some of it.
0: All right. Chapter four, let's read.
1: All right. After this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven.
0: So after the angel talked to after the after the Lord talked to him about the seven churches, he they moved to another area and another door was opened.
1: So a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show, ye, or show thee things which must be hereafter. Now. So now we're going into future stuff.
0: I want you to underline that phrase. Underline that phrase. Which one? Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. All so in this particular vision, in this particular portion of the vision, he is showing John things that are to come, future future things or things that are coming down the road potentially. All right. So let's read on.
1: And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne.
0: Notice he said immediately I was in the Spirit. That means that what that means is that Jesus got done talking to him, and then he came back to himself. And then he heard the voice, and then he heard yet another voice that said...
1: The trumpet voice. Come,
0: he heard the trumpet voice that said, come up hither. And then he said, and then I was in the spirit. So he went from one vision to the next vision. Kenneth E. Hagin talks about that. He talks about how he had had a vision... And then that vision concluded, and he came to his senses, and before he knew it, he was back in another vision. He talks about an experience similar to that. Uh, so let's keep reading. So, so what does he see? He says, Behold, um, a throne was set in heaven. We understand that God has a throne, and one that sat on the throne. We understand that, there, that God sits on his throne. We understand that Jesus sits on his throne with him. Look at the description in in verse 3. Man, oh man, this is amazing.
1: And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald.
0: Now I want you to notice some words like this. It says to look upon like. It doesn't say to look upon was a. It says like a. In other words, this is, when you see that word like, this is a perfect indicator that John is trying to explain something that he saw in terms that we're trying to describe, uh, that we might understand. It's kind of like, remember what Pastor Mike talked about years ago? We had gone to, the, to one of our teens' houses, and we were talking to the mom and the grandmother, and then all of a sudden, um, Pastor Mike saw what looked like a dragon wrapped around the mom's heart. It wasn't a dragon. It just looked like a dragon, and 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 the Lord told Pastor Mike. He said she. He Pastor Mike said, "Tell her about what I'm showing you." And he said she's going to think I'm crazy. And the Lord said, "Tell her it looks like a dragon." And then sometime later, God said, "By the way, son, that wasn't a dragon. It was a demon." It's, so so they're trying to describe things to us um, to help us understand. Now. If you go look up this word jasper in the original language, you find out that a jasper can be purple, it can be blue, it can be green, or it can be brass colored. Brass colored. The sardine stone is often flesh colored, but it can be anything from a pale orange to a deep red. Now, hold your place right here and go back to chapter one. I want you to look at something amazing. In chapter 1, verse 15, this is describing what Jesus looked like.
1: And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and and his voice as the sound of many waters.
0: Does that not sound like jasper and sardine? It does. It very much so does. So we understand that this is that he's giving us an idea of what the, pers- the, what the person on the throne looks like. So, you know, well, does God have, say, the Father God does not have a physical flesh body like we have, but he does have what, he does have a form of a body. If he didn't have a form of a body, how could he have a throne to sit on? It would be a waste. Okay, so he has a form of a body. And he sits on his heavenly throne. Well, what does God's body look like? Well, we're made in his image. So we can assume that he has a head and some eyes and hands and a mouth because he speaks. What you got, Brie? She said, yep, he does. Was Was that the point? Yes. She said, looks a lot like us. But he's also got this brassy flesh color. His flesh is also brassy toned but can get as red as burning fire. How cool is that? But he's not done yet. It's not done yet.
1: And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald.
0: Now, this rainbow, I went and looked this word rainbow up, and I was confused for a minute. I this, still am. Because <laughs> this word rainbow, when you look it up, is the word iris. It's the word iris.
1: Like the iris in your eye.
0: Like I-R-I-S, iris. So I was like, well, that's weird. And then it said, possibly from this word that means the messenger of the pagan gods. And I went, now, wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that there's a messenger of the pagan gods around the heavenly throne? That doesn't make any sense. So then I was like... I was like, God, you're going to have to help me with this. I I need some serious help. And so then I got the notion, well, let me go see what other words this word is translated as. Maybe that will help me. This word's only used two times in the Bible. Both times it's in the book of Revelations, and both times it's translated the word rainbow. So I thought, well, Lord, that doesn't help me at all. Now I really need the Holy Ghost to help me. Oh, but the Holy Ghost reminded me. Go to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. Because I thought, because the Holy Ghost said, was well, not there a rainbow in the, New Te- in the Old Testament? And I said, well, sure there is. So I, in my, in my handy-dandy tool, I looked up the word rainbow, and guess what? I found out the word rainbow is not in the Old Testament. Nope. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Go to Genesis 9. Right? It's amazing. What it makes you, sense. It's amazing what you think is in the Bible and then find out that that's not what the Bible says at all. Isn't that amazing? So Genesis chapter 9, I want you to go to verse 14.
1: How about how About uh, verse 13.
0: Okay, verse 13. Now this is right after now now we know everybody says, "Well, God put a rainbow in the sky, that's our covenant." That's our covenant that God won't ever flood the earth again. Wrong. Wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Let's look at what he says.
1: Verse And and he's he's talking about uh, establishing his covenant in verse 11. And then in 13 it says, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth.
0: Who did he make a covenant with? The earth. The earth. God did not make covenant with man when he got off the ark. God made covenant with the earth. With the earth. But we got to keep reading. Notice he said, I set my bow. bow. The other thing about another definition for iris, that when you get into the Greek, Greek mythology says there's three definitions for iris. One is the messenger of their pagan gods which their symbol often is a rainbow. Does that, do you understand why the homosexuals have taken the rainbow? Because that was part of their thing from the beginning, at least from their worship standpoint. The second iris is talking about the colored, the colored part around your eye, the iris of the eye. The third definition is an iris like the plant. dates all the way back to Greek times. But let's read here. Let's read, verse, let's read verse 14 through verse 17.
1: All right. So 14. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud.
0: Now, everybody says, oh, if you can get the sun just right. If you can get the sun out of the way, you'll see a rainbow. They're talking about the half bow or the full bow. But do you know that every single cloud has a bow in it? Every single cloud has a bow in it. Have you ever looked up in the sky and saw just what looks like just a little bit of a bow? Yeah. What is that? That's the covenant mark. If you, yeah, this is why you can take light through certain water crystals, and you can twist it in the light just right and get a get a rainbow. It's the, it's the prism. How, clouds are made of what? Water. Water. God did something unique, created something in the clouds that when the light, because he's light shines through that cloud, it creates a bow of color, a bow of color or an iris of color. All right, let's keep reading.
1: And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud.
0: Every every cloud has a bow
1: and i will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh
0: now here he says and i will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature every living creature these people that say god doesn't care about the animals he made a covenant with them god made a covenant with Every living creature on the planet.
1: Verse 16. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth.
0: Notice he said... He in the prior, in verse sixteen he said, is it verse sixteen? Yeah. In verse sixteen, God said, "When I look upon the earth, I will see the bow." He didn't promise that we would see the bow in every cloud, but he said, "When I look upon the earth, I'll see the rainbow, I'll see the bow."
1: Well, even even I'll at night, the bow. even at night, there's starlight and moonlight passing through clouds. We may not see it. But it still produces a bow. It
0: still produces a bow. There is
1: such thing as a moon bow.
0: And God does see the bow. But look in verse 17. This is so cool. And God said to Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. All flesh. So, when we go back to Revelations, and it says that there's a bow, a rainbow, or a bow around his throne, that's a covenant reminder. That's the covenant. The earth has a bow, and heaven at his throne has a bow. And that shows covenant between he and us, he and the world. Covenant. That's covenant language. Now, you're right here in Genesis. Go to Genesis uh, chapter 9. or we're in 9. Genesis 15. Genesis 15.
1: I don't know that we're going to get
0: to it. I don't know that we're going to get as far as I (laughs) hope to, but this is very important. You've got to understand this is very important. And this will actually help to answer your question, Sue. One of your questions. This will help to answer it. All right. Uh, I hadn't forgotten you. I just hadn't gotten it all typed. (laughs) So in Genesis 15, uh, and I'm not going to go through it all, but this is where Abram and God make covenant. This is where the 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 Abraham covenant that we get to live under comes into play, and this is where God God comes to him and he says Abraham you're going to have a child you're you're going to have uh, more um, descendants than the sands of the sea and in verse seven, verse eight he Abram says to God he said Lord God whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it so he asked him because God God's writing the contract, and Abraham says, well, what proof do I have? And uh, he said, "And he said, take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, uh, and a pigeon. And he took it upon all of these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece against the other, but the birds he did not uh, divide. In other words, God said, Abraham... Go get the covenant table ready. Go get the covenant table ready. He said. He said you'll know it because I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, understanding old uh, how covenants were done in this time of uh, at this age, covenants were done by um, they would cut. They they had these tables. And they put half the carcass on one table and half the carcass on the other table, and the two tables were kind of slanted so that the blood pulled into these pulled down into kind of this trough area that had like a figure eight around the tables. So the animals would their blood would go into this into this trench so type thing around these tables. And then each person that did the covenant, if Zach and I were gonna go into covenant, I would cut my hand. And I would and drip my blood in and amongst the animal's blood. And I would walk in the figure eight to say we are forever tied together by blood. And I commit to do these things. And then Zach would come behind me after I was done and he would cut his hand. And he would walk the walk and make a covenant. So that's what was fixing to happen here. So we find out, so, so Abraham gets the tables all ready. There's some other stuff that happens here. And look in verse 12. The, the carcasses are ready, and, and, and Abraham's been driving the beasts off, the, the fowls and what have you, that are trying to eat the covenant animals. He's been driving them off for a while, chasing them off, waiting for God to do his covenant walk. That's a type and shadow of us keeping Satan at bay. But something amazing happens.
1: And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham Abram. And lo, a a horror of great darkness fell upon him.
0: Okay. This is the type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. This is the type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. So now Abram's asleep. He's prepared the covenant. God has said, I'm going to do my part. Now it's time for man to do his part. For sake of time, I want you to jump over to verse 17.
1: And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces.
0: So, so what occurred is this great darkness came down. When it was time for man to cut his hand and walk the covenant walk, God caused a great sleep to come across Adam because he Abram. knew that Adam would break the covenant. Abram. Abram. I'm sorry. Abram would break the covenant. So he sent Jesus or Jesus came, caused Adam to fall asleep just or caused Abram to fall asleep just like Adam did in the garden. And Jesus cut his hands at the covenant table and he walked and made the covenant for all of mankind with God. Go to Isaiah forty-nine. Well, I thought we were talking about Revelations. We are, because it's all how, because Revelations are all about Jesus Christ.
1: Isaiah forty-nine.
0: Isaiah forty-nine. Okay. We're looking at one verse here, verse 16.
1: Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me.
0: They were whining. The Jews, the Israelites, were whining that God had forgotten them because they were in bondage. They were in slavery. So God, went, so that so the Jews, the Israelites. We're complaining. Have you ever been a Christian and said, where are you, God? Been complaining, thinking that God has forgotten you? And God looked at the Israelites. He looked at mankind, and he said, it is, "He said, here's my hands. It's impossible for me to forget you because I have a covenant cut. I have a covenant cut.
1: That he did back with Abraham. That
0: he did back with Abraham.
1: And now, at the time of that, they he, the, uh, when Jesus walked, he prophesied that that uh, that they would be in bondage in Egypt for four hundred years. So they knew this was coming back then, anyways. Okay. But they probably didn't remember at that point. It's four hundred years.
0: <laughs> Correct. Because I because I was why so covenant. So I'm I'm getting to that. So he made a covenant. So he's got so. Again, now this is the covenant of Abraham or Abram. So again, so just like there's a a marker for the covenant in heaven, the bow around the throne, Jesus literally walks with the covenant cuts on his physical hands saying, Father, they have an Abraham covenant. They have a covenant. Now, let me help you. This is how the devil creeps in. This is how the devil creeps in. There is, a t- there, is a, there is a translation of the Bible. I believe it's one of the Amplified Bibles. So I don't know if it's the classic or the modern day. Uh, it may be a living Bible or one of them. But there is, a, there is one translation of the Bible that reads this verse, I have tattooed your name upon my hand. Tattoo. Can you imagine, God, how big does God's hand have to be to tattoo the name of every person that's ever existed on his hand?
1: Well, he's holding this all in his hands, so.
0: <laughs> Based off of that, here, here's, here's how somebody got messed up. They went looking for an excuse to justify the sins of the people they were preaching to. They went looking. Now, granted, when the sermon was preached the first time in uh, 2018 or 19, it was about don't judge people if they have tattoos. Because the Bible says that God has their name tattooed on their hand. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he has a covenant mark on his hand, not a tattoo. And so from 2018 to 2019, this minister has been preaching this nonstop and has been mulling it over in their mind and mulling it over in their mind and mulling it over in their mind. This is why the Bible says to take every thought captive. And in a matter of about five years' time, the enemy talked this minister and spouse into going and getting a tattoo. Now, let me tell you the final nail in the coffin that made this come to pass. The enemy brought a tattoo artist across this minister's path that said, Man, I was dealing with bipolar disorder, and I, was a ta- and I had left being a tattoo artist because I was so convicted because many Christians told me that I was going to hell because I was a tattoo artist. Now, they shouldn't have told him he was going to hell. For being a tattoo artist, but they should have witnessed Christ to them to get him set free. But because of the conviction and the fear of going to hell, this tattoo artist stopped being a tattoo artist. If you don't know where tattoos started, go do your research. It was a form of pagan, history, pagan worship all the way back into the five, first five books of the Bible. They were doing it as pagan worship to their gods. They're pouring, they're marking their bodies. They're cutting themselves and pouring out their blood in a way to mark their their body as in service to their to their worship to their pagan gods. If you do your research, and I'm not coming down on tattoos, I'm just telling you this is how somebody gets messed up. I didn't know we were going to talk about this tonight, but apparently we need to. Okay, so we so he uh, so this this tattoo artist was conveniently friends with somebody that this minister was also friends with. And the friend had heard the testimony and told the minister the testimony. And said, well, they heard your mess got totally set free and went right back into being a tattoo artist. And they have the greatest desire to design your tattoo that you've talked about. Because this minister has said out of her mouth, sorry, this minister has said out of their mouth many times, well, I think I just might get me a tattoo that says, I belong to God. Whatever it is. So the tattoo artist design. So so they went. So when they were in the town where this tattoo artist was, they went and met him. And the whole you just I just they said I don't have time to tell the whole story, but it's more than just a coincidence. Yes, the word coincidence means a divine spiritual appointment. You had a divine spiritual appointment with a seducing spirit. Not the Father God. But you had a divine spiritual appointment with a seducing spirit, and you fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, and now this minister is taking baby Christians into the pits of sin with them. This is how seducing spirits get a hold of the Christian mind. I've had multiple people call me and question me on this. Recently, recently, within the last two weeks, multiple people call me and ask me on this. The covenant mark is what was on his hand. There's a co- when when Jesus looks at his hand, the Father when he looks at his son's hand, he says. We have a covenant with mankind.
1: And it wasn't a tattoo. It was a scar. It
0: was a scar. It was a covenant scar. This is why when Jesus came out of the tomb, the, the, the scars of the whipping were healed. But the covenant marks of the nails and the covenant marks of the, of the spear were not done away with. Because that's covenant marking. He's marked by a covenant. And that mark is there for all of eternity. Everywhere the Father, everywhere God goes, because Jesus is God, everywhere Jesus goes, there's the mark of the covenant. There's the mark of our Abraham covenant. There's the mark of the covenant of the New Testament. Everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, there's the mark of the covenant. So that's why there's this bow. Man, oh, man, we got a whole four verses in.
1: Yep, and they are like, you know. This is, why,
0: <laughs> this is why there's a bow around the throne. Now, here's a really cool question that Michael and I can't answer. This is why I said maybe, maybe this one can. I don't know. Maybe she saw it. Maybe she didn't. But it says that the rainbow or the bow around about the throne, so this thing is, throws the phone. Now, when I, when I read this as a baby Christian, this is what I envisioned in my head. Rainbow. Double arch. Here's the throne. Here's the double arch rainbow. That's what I envisioned. But look at what he said.
1: He said, <clears throat> In sight, like unto an emerald.
0: In sight, like unto an emerald. And I went, What well, does that mean? It's a green bow? Like,
1: only one color?
0: Is it only one color? Like, like different, like different shades of green? Like, I don't get it. And yes, all emeralds are green. Different shades of green. Also, all emeralds are transparent. You can you can see through them to some le- some to some degree. They're transparent. Some more than others. The other thing that's very curious about an emerald cuz I said because typically when you think of an emerald, you think of that rectangular cut. Yep. Most emeralds are rectangular cut. Very rarely do you see an emerald that is not a rectangular cut. And if it's cut like a square, it's called a square emerald. Not an emerald, but a square emerald. Huh. We didn't, we had to look it up. We had to figure it out. So, what does this, so what does this rainbow look like?
1: Is it green or is it? I imagine, emerald.
0: His throne is here, and I imagine. There's probably a, a rectangular type, translucent rainbow colors around his throne. I don't think it's the arch. I think it's more of this this emerald type shape glowing from the throne. That's like a bow, a rainbow. Isn't that cool?
1: And you can see where where John had a lot of fun trying to describe this.
0: <laughs> right. John's like, how, have, what do you, how do you want me to explain this, especially in the terminology of their day? Let's, we can get through this. Let's just read. Let's finish this chapter. Yeah, this
1: chapter's pretty short.
0: Because I don't have a lot more commentary.
1: <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> and round about the throne, in verse four, were four and twenty seats. That's twenty-four seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold.
0: Okay. So, who are the 24 elders? Who are the 24 elders? Elders we know to be, elders are never angels. Elders we know are humans. It could be, uh, elder actually means pastor. Many times in the Bible when you see the word elder, it's actually referring to the pastorship. Some some theologians believe that the twenty that twelve of the twenty four seats belong to one person of each tribe of That's, the twelve tribes of, of, of Judah the, or I mean the twelve tribes of Israel and then so and then they believe that exactly. the other twelve seats are reserved for the original twelve disciples one problem what about Judas Iscariot what about Judas Iscariot is his throne empty no. They elected somebody else, but is that somebody else? Does that, is that somebody but they else? wouldn't be
1: part of the original um, 12. Part
0: of the original 12. Here's what I personally think, and I personally believe the 24 seats represent. I, purpose, I, I believe the 24 seats represent the body of Christ. I believe probably more than likely the twelve. there is a seat for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I think the other 12 seats represent the church. Rather, it's the original 12 churches that all the churches grew out of, or if it's based off of the 12 apostles or whatever it is. I don't know how God... Because some people... Some, I've heard some people say, well, that's, those 24 seats are reserved for the biggest, highest fathers of old on the earth. How do you pick...
1: Oh I mean, God I can fill
0: 24 seats with just the men and women of God that I know of. And I surely don't know all of them through 2,000 centuries of, you of can the go church. More,
1: more than 24.
0: Yeah. You know, so I truly believe that the 24 seats represent the body of Christ as a whole. Old Testament, New Testament. And we'll find out exactly who fills those seats in due season. When we get there and we get to the throne... I'm sure God will fill us in. Of course, in.
1: we know that they're, they're, they're elders and Christians because they're, they're clothed in white. Right. And they have the, clown, the, 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 clown? the crowns, crowns, not clowns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: So we do know that. We do know that these were humans. We do know that they were righteous because they earned the white robe. And we do know that they have the crowns uh, because Jesus obtained a crown for every righteous believer. So, so we know that these are people of esteem. And that they and on and everything that they, everything that God does in heaven represents something.
1: Yeah. So out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and, and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God.
0: So we know that the Father God and the Lord Jesus sit on the throne, but then this says that there's seven lamps which are the seven spirits. So the Holy Spirit apparently has his own seat also. He has his own seat also. Well, what exactly do they look like? I the, don't know. The lamp. They refer to them as lamps. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that these would be very bright lights that are at the throne that represent the Holy Spirit. No, no. Nope. The seven candlesticks were the, the seven churches. Yeah. The seven spirits are the seven attributes of the Holy Ghost. Yes. The seven attributes of the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, I got to back up in my pages to get you those. Hold on. But I'll get them. Hold on. Here we go. The seven spirits. You find them. You find them listed in Isaiah eleven one through three. Uh, but.
1: That's eleven one through three.
0: Yeah, Isaiah eleven verses. Actually, it's verse one and two. But the Holy Spirit is the bringer of truth, so the spirit of truth, the spirit of comfort, the spirit of guidance, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of power, and the fear of the Lord. Okay, let me slow down. Let me slow down. Well, it reads it a little differently here. And the spirit of the Lord, so shall rest upon them, the spirit of the Lord is one, the spirit of wisdom is two, the spirit of understanding is 3, the spirit of counsel is 4, the spirit of might is 5, the spirit of, of knowledge knowledge is 6, and the spirit of the Lord the, the, the or the fear, fear of the, of the Lord. Lord is 7, the fear of the Lord. So where he up here where he says and uh, the spirit of the Lord, that would be the power of God. The spirit of the Lord always represents his power. His power. So that's them right there. So there're seven lamps around God's throne that represents this. So so the Holy Ghost has a seat also.
1: Cool. All right. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind.
0: So it says before the throne there was a sea of glass like on the, like as unto crystal. Uh, Crystal, how much you know? Crystal is a very uh, light, reflective, very rich-looking glass. So the floor in heaven in the throne room of God is made of something that looks like shiny, precious glass, and this glass reflects the light. So it's going to cause the, the, the throne room, the rainbow, and the,
1: the seven brighter. lamps,
0: and all of this, it's going to cause all of this to reflect and bounce and be very bright. If I remember what Brianna told me, she just said, yep. If I remember what she told me, she said, I was in a very bright room. There was light all around. That glass floor would reflect all of this light coming from the throne of God. Now, let's talk about the four beast.
1: All right. Oh, my goodness. There were four beasts full of eyes before. You didn't
0: see the four beasts?
1: She probably didn't want to see them.
0: See, that's the thing about the discerning of spirits. You only see what God allows you to see. She's like, I did not see the four beasts. All
1: right. The four beasts full of eyes before and behind, meaning they had eyes in front and in back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, verse 7. I want to get done with this. Yeah. <laughs> and the first beast was listen,
0: like Listen.
1: And the first beast was like a lion. And the second beast was like a like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle.
0: Now, Many people believe, and it's entirely possible. I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying it isn't, because we're just trying to understand the prophecy. Many people believe that these four beasts are the same four beasts that Ezekiel saw that were in and amongst the wheels. Ezekiel talks about that there were these beasts that had four faces, um, and one is it had the face of the lion. Uh, the face of a man, the face of, of an, an eagle, eagle. But it, there was, the
1: other it, one the was, other was, was the face of a cherub.
0: A cherub. That Instead of
1: a calf, he said a cherub. That's right. Don't know what a cherub looks like, so I, that might be like a calf.
0: And, it, and, and in, in Ezekiel's thing, they were all attached to a wheel, and they were turning in perfect unison with the wheel. Here, there doesn't, he doesn't describe a wheel. Now, as we just said, with Brianna's experience, God doesn't let you see everything. He only lets you see what He wants you to see. Is it possible that these four beasts are the same four beasts that Ezekiel saw? Yes. Is it possible that these are four different beasts? Yes, uh, because because we don't know. Is it po- and, and here's the deal: here they're described as independent and and. Uh, Independent of each other. Because it says the first beast was like a lion. Ezekiel says in his, in his description, he says each one had four faces. Where this one says the first beast was like a lion. In other words, the arms, the legs, the body, the torso, the head, everything about this creature reminded him of a lion. Which is slightly different than what Ezekiel said. Here he says the second beast is like that of a calf. Everything about him reminded him of a calf. The third beast, it's all of a sudden very interesting, he said his face was as a man. Not, he didn't say anything about the shape of the body. He said just his face was that of a man. The fourth beast was like that, was like a flying eagle. So that means it's, he didn't necessarily have hands or arms, but he had wings. He had feet, his wings were prob- his wings were obviously out and in full display. Uh, so, so are these the same angels that Ezekiel saw? Are these the same beasts that Ezekiel saw?
1: Now, Now the ex-
0: probably The
1: description goes on, and most of the rest of the description is almost exactly like what Ezekiel described.
0: Um, the biggest thing is there's just not a wheel, so we don't know that it's the same thing. Is it possible that what, what God, why God showed Ezekiel them on a wheel is because he wanted to draw attention to Ezekiel, that, all of the, uh, that these beasts moved in perfect harmony, that they, that they turned and moved and, and worshipped in perfect harmony? Possibly. We don't know exactly. And I know Mari's been listening to some commentary on this, and there's and there's a lot of different points of view. And again, this is a prophecy. Until we get there and we see it, we're not going to know fully.
1: Yep.
0: We're not going to know. But here's what we can know. There's at least four, at least four amazing beasts that hover above the throne of God. Yes. That so, we can take away. So
1: in verse 8, it says, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within so that even the wings had eyes
0: so here are these massive beasts they've got eyes in the front of their head they've got eyes in the back of their head they've got six wings and later on in another description of the scriptures we know that two of the wings cover the feet but here's what we know about the wings so their wings are out in their span and all through their wings are covered in eyes Let me tell you something. The angels see everything. The angels see Uh, everything. So they were full of
1: eyes within, and they had rest not day, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come.
0: Now, this is how, this is a quick, what can we pull from this? This is how we... I, so many people, I'll say, just worship, the God, just worship God with the words of your mouth. I don't know what to say. Say what the angels say. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. When you go before the Father in prayer, go before the Father saying, Holy, holy, holy,
1: Lord, are you, God, Lord Almighty.
0: God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Man, that'll stir your spirit up and that'll put you in connection with the Father quickly.
1: All right, verse 9.
0: The beast, yeah, this, it's, a, it's one of the forms of angels, yes. He calls them beasts because, that's, because he wants you to understand that these are massive creatures, massive creatures. Remember, angels, the word angel means special messenger. And there's all kinds of rankings of angels. And there's all kinds of sizes and styles of angels. And all all the angels serve different purposes. So these angels are massive. We know from the scriptures that the roaring angels carry nine-foot flaming swords. These, these particular angels that are around the throne of God are called beast, which means these are probably bigger than the warring angels. These things are massive. They're so massive they need six wings to carry them, if you think about it. That is a big, that is a big, yeah, big body. <laughs> That's a big spiritual being. Because an angel is a spiritual messenger, and these these spiritual messengers, these spiritual beasts, are sent, are giving the message of worship to the God. To God, that's their job. These are worshiping angels, but they also guard the throne of heaven. So yes, so these are not just God's pets. These are these are massive angels. Massive ones.
1: Verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever.
0: That's their assignment. You've got these huge, massive angels with six wings and eyes, and they see everything. And their assignment is just to worship God day and night.
1: Give them glory and honor and thanks.
0: For all of eternity.
1: Verse 10 the 4 and 20 elders fall so when when the beasts are giving glory and honor the 4 and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne
0: so this is why i say the 24 elders are represent are a representation of believers because when the when the when the massive angels begin to worship and give honor and glory than the twenty-four, which are the representative That basically, how much you know? I've always taught our youth this. I always taught our youth, uh, you know, because we never, we never did youth, we never did our youth services on Sunday morning during main service, never. And the reason was, was because the youth needed to know that their pastor. They needed, to, they needed to be familiar with their pastor. They needed to know how to pull the anointing out of their pastor. They needed, how, they needed to know how to receive from God in the adult service. Because many churches do their youth a great injustice in their children because they do party time in children's church and in junior church and in, and in high school church, youth church. And, then, and it's always party time and it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of interaction. And then they graduate high school. And, like, their whole world is changing They're leaving their home, they're leaving their schools, they're leaving their friends. Everything's changing, and the church goes, okay, well, you're changing the church too. Now go sit in adult service and be a statue. Because the church people don't know how to receive either. And it's culture shock, and that's why the churches don't retain the young people. So the Lord told us, he said, teach your people, teach your youth how to receive in the main service. So we always set our youth on the front row. And we always told them, imitate us. If we're shouting, you shout. If we're praising, you praise. If we're taking notes, you take notes. If we're pulling on the anointing, you pull on the anointing. You follow our lead. So guess what the twi- what the, guess what the job of the twenty four in heaven is to do? Therefore the therefore the therefore the body of Christ to go. Uh, which one do I follow? When you get, this is by the Holy Ghost because I didn't know. I said I didn't know. This is by the Holy Ghost. When you get to heaven, you're going to be assigned to one of the 24 elders. And you're going to follow their lead. When they, when, they, when they bow and worship, you're going to bow and worship. When they sit and they listen to the Father God, you're going to sit and listen to the Father God. When the fathers of old come to, the, come to preach in the throne room of heaven, you're going to sit and engage with them like the, like the elders do. That's what they're there for, is to be the example. Glory to God. See, if you'll just listen to the Holy Ghost, if you'll just sit and talk this over with God, He'll begin to help you to understand this
1: thing. And, and you'll notice that, that all the 24 elders had crowns of gold. And yeah. when they fall down in worship to the Lord, they cast their crowns before him because the crowns were given by him. That's they right. received the crowns only because of him. That's and right. And they're casting their crowns at his feet because he is worthy because he is the reason they have these crowns That's right. they they're, they're showing respect and honor Ooh, by by, by, by removing their crowns and they're saying not i lord but you
0: yep so when the whole when the 24 bow down and they put their crowns before the father's feet guess what the rest of the church is they're going to bow down they're going to take off their crowns and they're going to lay them at the father's feet glory to god can you picture this Woo oh man Oh, my goodness. I guess we got one verse
1: left. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Or maybe you get to pick it back up afterwards. All right. So, verse... Yes,
0: you'll pick up your crown.
1: Verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created.
0: You are and you were created. Here's your purpose. Here's your purpose. You were created for the Father God's pleasure. For the Father God's pleasure. Your purpose is to give him honor and worship and praise. This is another verse this is another verse that you can circle and, and learn how to praise the Father. You can say, "Thou art worthy, O Lord. Father, thou art worthy. Father, you're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my worship. Oh, Father, I give you glory and I give you honor, for you're the only one worthy of receiving it. See, these verses teach us. Huh, well, what do you mean I've got to say, God? Father, we give, Father, we bless you with all spiritual blessing. Father, all power be unto you. Well, He's got all the power. Why do I need to tell Him? Because it's how you worship Him. Because when you say, Father, I give you all the power, that's another way of saying, Father, I surrender everything. In other words, I'm not keeping any power back for myself. I'm surrendering everything to your power. Now, see, the book of Revelation isn't scary at all. not scary at all. Well, we ain't got to the part about the beast and the killing and the dying and the...
1: I was just going to say, wait till next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. Y'all didn't, y'all, I didn't know there was that much in chapter 4.
1: Yeah, it's such a short chapter. <laughs> it's just
0: a short chapter. I didn't know there was that much but in chapter But in order four. to
1: understand it, you have to go back and look at other parts of the Bible. And that's right. where people go wrong in interpreting Revelations is they're just interpreting it on it. And they're not looking right. at the whole rest of the Bible. That's
0: it. That's it. That's it. So your covenant, so when God looks at you, when God looks at his hands, when Jesus looks at his hands, when, every time Jesus walks into the throne room to go see the Father, he says, wow, Lord, look at that rainbow. Look at that covenant. Look at that. we got a covenant with the whole earth. Glory to God. Well, I guess we need to pray and do a tithe and an offering if you got one. If you don't have a tithe or a seed to sow, that's fine. Just put your hands on the bucket and say, Father, I thank you for seed to sow.
1: Yep. So, little little testimony for me today.
0: Glory to God.
1: Um, you know, because we're tithers, we can rebuke the devourer. Yeah, and and because we're tithers, our things last longer and all that kind of stuff. Well, yes. I got this nice, pretty new phone here that I've had what three months?
0: Not even. Not, not, even. not so, even. So, so today I,
1: I also I got this gigantic mower, oh
0: no, which, which
1: which which I I got back from the shop just the other day, and no, I went. I
0: didn't know about that. And you I I went out to, I
1: went out today to the old house and mowed the lawn, which is like the first time it's been mowed and since like. September, early September of last year, so it was kind of rough, and I had the phone in my pocket, listening to my mu- my music, and and I'm I'm mowing along, mowing along, mowing along, got got done, went to put the mower on the uh, on the trailer, and uh, reached down to get my phone and out of my pocket, and I'm like, where's my phone? Yeah, right. So I started looking. Not on the mower, not in the mower. I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, this is a big yard. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be re Acres, retracing.
0: acres.
1: I said, Lord help me find this. And 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 my phone's laying when I found it, laying face down with a tire track from my fifteen hundred pound mower on top of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, it's, there's not a scratch on this thing. The angels. case was a little bit dirty, angels. but there's not a scratch on it.
0: That's the angels going before so, him. That's the angels going before him.
1: So, praise God.
0: I think the angel said, hold on, so I'm going to need to push you down in the ground for just a because minute. Because I
1: thought when I saw that thing face down with tire tracks on the back of it, I was like, oh, there's, there's not going to be much left. Because that thing weighs 1,500 pounds easy.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's heavy. And it
1: wasn't the little tire track; it was the big one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. We have another. On speaking about being a tither and a giver, uh, he had he didn't mention it, but um, you tell the fire pay they they backdated they increased is it they increased the fire that, that pay?
1: They, so so right right about the time I retired, the uh, the federal government said hey, like a month after I retired, the federal government for ten years they've been promising promise. Promising us better pay for firefighters. Month after I've retired, they say, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna give y'all a higher pay. We're gonna increase the pay, and we're gonna backdate. We're gonna backpay you for six months with this higher pay." Oh, I'm like, "Well, five months of those I was working. I guess I'm not getting it because I'm retired now." Well, it turns and out. And at
0: first, that's what they said. Yeah. At first, they said this is only for. Currently employed firefighters. It does not apply to those that have retired. Right. That was the first thing that they said. And when he said that, I said, "Well, we're just going to pray and believe God that we have favor."
1: Right. So turns out they decided to to back pay the firefighters, uh, but they told they said, "Well, you're going to have to file a claim, and and we'll get we'll get to you when we get to you." They, they told me a year and a half ago. <laughs>
0: Get to you when we get to. They
1: they they said uh they're they're planning on paying the retirees in October. Well, it's now. October
0: came and went. No paycheck. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so I got a phone call today saying, hey, we just need to know where to send the money.
0: Yep. (laughs) Glory to God. So we'll take that. We'll take that back pay. Thank
1: you, Jesus. And they didn't even tell me how much I'm going to get. But they just said. (laughs) But hey, it's unexpected money. And praise God, praise I'm God. glad it's coming in because I, I need a new truck. Yeah,
0: yeah, because they've been, they've been, I mean, they they keep, like, they're like, well, we're going to pay it. Well, no, we're not going to pay it. Well, it's case by case. They just kept giving them the runaround and, and just I couldn't even give them any good call, answers. I
1: even had to file a claim a second time.
0: Yeah. But yeah. God's got it. Glory to God. So it pays to be a tither and a giver. It pays to sow into God's kingdom. And like I said, if you don't have a seed to sow, that's okay. Just put your hands on the offering plate and say, Father, I thank you for seed to sow. And just and just trust and believe God for seed to sow. And when the seed comes in, don't eat it.
1: <laughs> right. Don't eat
0: it. Put it. Put sow
1: it. Well, unless. You need to eat some of it. You know yeah.
0: what I mean. Come on. <laughs> everybody, everybody goes, Ooh, free money. Let's go out to eat for dinner. And, well, that's uh, not what that seed was right. for, boo boo. Come on, go
1: on vacation. Right, come on,
0: let's pray. <laughs> All right. got to get these people out of here. Oh,
1: yes. Well, Lord, we, we thank you for your many blessings, and we thank you for the revelation you've given us tonight, the the revelation that's written in Revelations. Thank Lord, you we, we, yes. we thank, thank you for, for revealing your secrets to us and the mystery to us, Lord, that we might know and understand you better, and that we might come closer to you and, and understand the, 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 the plan that you've put in place for us, Lord. The plan that, that is so much bigger than we even knew. And we we just thank you, Lord, for this. And we thank you for revealing it to us. And we thank you for all you've done for us because you you put this in effect way before we were even a glimmer in our parents' eyes. Way before. Uh, Unimaginably before. But you knew us even back then. And you knew that we we would need this. And you set it in motion for us, Lord. And we thank you for that. Lord, we just Love you so much that we want to give unto your kingdom and we, and, and we so we do, and we do because you require us to, and because you you tell us that you will look out for us and and we just thank you lord for 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 doing that, Lord, uh, Lord, please bless the the offering yes. that we 're given you, today Father. that Thanks. it go further than we could ever ask hope or think towards the doing of your work, Lord, because we want to see your work done on earth as it is in heaven, and Lord. Thank, thank you, you for Lord. the ability to rebuke the devourer. Yes. Satan, thank we you, rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You thank cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We give the glory to God That, thank you, Father. that we ha- and, and to Jesus that we have the ability to rebuke you and to tell you to stay off of our things and to get out of here in the name of Jesus and to leave us alone and our families alone and our pets alone. Yes. In Jesus' thank mighty you, name.
0: Amen and amen. Father, we do thank you. You serve the people. Father, God, we do thank you, Father. We honor you, Father.